This is the Education Gadfly Show. You know, he's a pretty funny guy. When it comes to wonky, yeah. wonky, geeky, geeky jokes. Yeah. What does Gadfly say? Hello, this is your host, Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute here at the Education Gadfly Show and online at edexcellence.net. And now, please join me in welcoming my co-host, the Miss Frizzle of Education Reform, Alyssa Schwank. Is that a comment on my hair, Mike? Uh, <laughs> no, it is a comment on the Secretary of Education's Halloween costume. Oh, yes, I did see that on Twitter. It was a pretty good costume. It was pretty good. Hey, Brandon Wright joining us as well. Brandon, Hello. who it turns out to be is a master of the Edgeween 17 hashtag. We, we are recording this on Tuesday, so it is Halloween, uh, and we're all having fun. Uh, I've spent most of the day dressed up like a pencil. Yep. Uh, and Brandon has spent most of the day making Edgeween 17 jokes, uh, some of which were pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, people don't understand this, but I actually contribute a lot to the Gladfly. Yes. I'm the, the editor, in fact, of the Gladfly. I write kind of a lot of it. So not to do my own horn, I'm but, saying, you know. Brandon is a pretty funny guy. When it comes to wonky, yeah. wonky, geeky, geeky jokes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of which you've had to explain to us. If you yes. have more than 140 characters, maybe. That Who knows what Edgeween 18 will be like when we all have Twitter hasn't up me characters. yet. Oh, that's true. This is true. And and look, the secretary, I thought she had a great costume. She got into the spirit. That was great. So bummed to see NEA had to tweet out some nasty tweet about her. You'll never be Miss, you know, Miss Frizzle. I mean, come on. One day, just go with it. They had, they had a shot to just, you know, be a little bit light on one day. Yeah, I've seen some very curmudgeonly... Edgeween tweets and it's it's a it's a bit of a buzzkill. Yeah. Just just hold your cynicism. Yes, too much for a day, please. On a holiday where the tagline is trick or treat. <laughs> I guess that's right. Okay, hey guys, hey, it is an all Fordham version of the Education Gadfly Show. No special guest today, <laughs> not for us. I guess because we told uh, we tried various people, but we told them all that they would have to come in costume. Yes, and but way to make your employees feel special, Mike. Yeah, well, there you go. Good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But hey, not not our employees. My employees are willing to show up in costume, or like Brandon, if he doesn't have a costume, to make one while he's at work. I am Halloween Jim Halpert. Yeah. Good. And uh, some of you will get that reference. All right. So uh, enough, with, uh, enough of that. Let's get started with the education reform update. Okay, people. So I've got a piece in the Education Gadfly. This is still on the spirit of all Fordham edition, in which I argue that the last year, which you should note has been about a year since that fateful 2016 election, has been surprisingly good for education reform despite the dumpster fire that is our national politics right now and the very legitimate concerns that many people have about dreamers or other issues, uh, when you look, at, especially at the state level, at what has happened over the last 12 months, there's actually been a lot of good news. So, for example, Illinois, huge progress mm-hmm. with their big school funding overhaul, uh, which equalized uh, a long way in, in bringing greater equity to their funding system, also greater equity between charters and traditional public schools, also created a Tax credit scholarship program. Amazing. Yeah. There was a big progress in Michigan. I'm not Michigan. Sorry. Michigan's on its way there maybe, but big progress in Colorado and in Florida on getting access for charter schools to local property taxes. Kentucky passed a charter school law. Uh, You know, our review of the ESSA plan shows that, you know, the vast majority of states went well above and beyond the bare minimum that they could have done. On and on and on. That actually, you know, for people who were worried that this uh, year was going to be a complete disaster, that, uh, you know, the Trump election and frankly, the Bernie Sanders thing too, demonstrated that the center had fallen out of our politics, that education reform is largely a centrist thing, uh, that this was going to be very bad for education reform. Look, that still may happen, but 12 months in, so far, it 
hasn't. So is that I, really all that surprising given that, as you mentioned in your piece, right, this could still happen and perhaps just the state level hasn't caught up with sort of what happened at the federal level, which is mm-hmm. to say that states still lean very heavily right. And ed reform, especially from a school choice standpoint, mm-hmm. um, is a much more uh, conservative um, or Republican a set of initiatives than democratic ones. So although, right, we have, we have in the white house and although we had, you know, the Bernie Sanders surge and whatnot at the state level, right. Things are different and education is increasingly a, a state issue mm-hmm. also. So I would argue a couple of things. One, education has always been a state issue. It's only recently that it's become more of a national issue. The Department of education had its 38th birthday or something like that pretty recently. And that's not too old, even the, the history of our country. So I think it's always been a state issue. I would also say that the center has kind of fallen out. We're seeing a lot of divisiveness nationally, and that is a problem. And maybe we got through this year, but will that continue? Will there continue to be momentum without a center long term? Kind of skeptical there. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, look, uh, and at the state level, I don't know. Yes, there are still some states, especially purple states, where there are moderates. Colorado comes to mind. Uh, but I think if, you know, I think that what's happened in Washington uh, at the federal level is also happening at the state level, that there's structural reasons why both parties are pulling towards their extremes. And that can't be good for education reform in the long term. Now, maybe you're right, Brandon, that maybe it's okay for school choice stuff, you know, as long as if it's Republicans that are in control, of course, they tend to be, uh, if, if it's a Republican supermajority, they tend to like things like tax credit scholarship programs, which we may worry about that don't sure. have enough quality accountability. control accountability. Seems like it's really bad for standards-based reform, if especially if the Republican Party has decided that that's too top-down, it's too elitist to expect all kids to meet certain standards or to, lo and behold, have the government uh, determine whether schools are any good or not. You know, that that in, in a lot of states, uh, when you have a Republican supermajority, majority, then that sort of stuff uh, does feel like it's at risk. So again, maybe this is all going to come to pass. But so far, uh, we actually had a pretty good year. There have been certainly some victories. And, you know, you pointed out a few of them, and there are certainly um, more in your piece. But I will take the victories we have. But I do think that there is still some work to do, particularly on this reforming this or repairing the center coalition. I also guess from from a sort of countrywide standpoint, when you look at the ESSA plans and the reforms that so many states have adopted, it sort of falls along, it falls sort of across all party lines. There are, you know, very deep red states like Georgia who have a great plan. There are more um, liberal states like Colorado who have a great plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's sort of states in between and all over the place. So from from a growth and sort of beyond proficiency standpoint Mm -hmm. and the way that that states are choosing to sort of rate their schools and report that to the public, Mm -hmm. the progress there doesn't seem partisan. Um, So that's sort of encouraging. Yeah, and and I'd put, look, I'd put Colorado kind of in a purple state, but let's say Washington State had another another Mm -hmm. one. It's a better example. We really like, this isn't when it comes to school ratings uh, that we think these states have strong. And keep in mind, you know, under the law and under the way the administration is enforcing it, if all you want to do is the bare minimum, the states, all they really had to do is identify their lowest performing schools for intervention. And that's it. They don't have to put labels or ratings or grades on all the other schools. You know, they could just say, these are the failing schools, but as terms of everybody else, are they A, B, C, or D? They didn't have to do that. And yet, by our count, something like 40 states are still going to do that. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes in a way that is much clearer than under No Child Left Behind, more A to F grades, more five-star ratings, more one to 100 uh, rankings. So, you know, at least for right now, the states have, in my opinion, stepped up 
much more so than maybe we would have expected. Mm -hmm. So to push on that a bit is, are you arguing that they're stepping up because their politics are okay? Or are you arguing they're stepping up because over the past 10 years, the various reforms and the efforts around actual like yeah. governance improvement and policy, right. we uh, have more capacity than maybe we I did. Don't, no, it's a good question. I don't know. All I'm saying really is that it's uh, it was a pretty good year. And so, you know, despite the fact that it has not been a very good year uh, in American life, otherwise, I think most people would say that at least when it comes to education reform policies, especially at the state level, uh, it's better than it could have been. Keep looking at the horizon. Is that a optimistic? Uh, no, you uh, keep okay. your feet on the ground and keep Had, reaching for the that's stars. It. Okay, that's, that's, that's Dick it. Clark. And during a time where it seems like every hour brings something else to be distraught over, it's nice to sort of highlight some good news. Yeah. And this is ultimately, I think, good news, so... No. All right. The glass is half full, people. All right. All right. That's all we got now for Ed Reform Update. Now it is time for everybody's favorite Amber's Research Minute. Welcome back to the show, Amber. Thanks, Mike. So we were talking earlier about the secretary dressing up as Miss Frizzle. Did you get to see those pictures? I did see them. Man, I can tell you, wigs are hot. Have you ever worn a wig on Halloween? <laughs> it brought me back to my college days when I was Britney Spears, when she had the snake around her neck. And yes. I was oh wearing God. a Britney Spears wig all night, like this blonde long wig. Yeah. I sweated so bad. I thought, yeah. the first uh, thought I had when I saw her in that, in that orangey wig. But I digress. I guess if she was hot, she could have drank some, some boxed water. <laughs> yes. She Which have. it turns out, according to Politico, she owns. I saw that too. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. Have you ever well, tried? She fested up, I guess. Where um, have I seen the box water? It's at uh, the burrito place, the sushi burrito place in downtown DC. All right. Oh. I think that's chopped too, maybe. Probably. Oh. It's in a lot of taste weird. I don't know. know. It says taste boxed water, water tastes yeah. better. <laughs> it turns out she owns the company. It tastes like water. It tastes like water. No difference. No, pick it's up water. No, it's water. But she says it's better for the environment. Well, that makes sense. And so, I just, right. people out there, the Betsy DeVos haters, hey, she cares about the environment. She recycles. That's right. Yeah. All There's right. that. There is that. And I just wish that everybody could just, you know, the NEA had this snarky comment about her costume. And I'm just like, seriously, on, one day a year, people. Wow, I miss just, that. You know, let down the resistance for one day. I know. Well, what, what problem could they have with with Miss Frizzle? I don't. Oh, I miss you that. know, you'll never be Miss Frizzle. Was there? Oh, I like see. That. You know, oh. that she would dare to dress up like a teacher. Oh my yikes! All right. Yeah, a, a pretend teacher, by the way. <laughs> Hey, Miss Frizzle is very real for many of us. So, admittedly, yes, admittedly, it does defy space time logic and continuums. Okay, hey, sorry, we've got to stop chatting and talk about research. No more, Mrs. Frizzle. Um, This week, we have a new study out on CTE. We like Hmm. these. Examines whether when you take CTE courses in high school has any relationship to dropping out of high school Mm -hmm. and conversely going to college. Okay. Okay. Uh, Look at data from Educational Longitudinal Survey, or rather study, or ELS, Mm -hmm. of 2002. Followed a cohort of public school students starting in the second half of their sophomore year, Mm -hmm. 2002. Then they surveyed them again in spring of 2004. Then they surveyed them again in spring of 2006. Mm -hmm. So they would have been two years out from high school graduation. Okay? Okay. If they graduated. These are national data. They are national data. And by the way, can we say, this is at a time, this is long before CTE got hot again. It is. This is at a time when people still kind of poo-pooed CTE. Yeah. So this okay. is, you know, they, they, and they, they're these this national data. This means these are not special CTE programs. These are no, run-of-the-mill. Run-of-the-mill. Okay. okay. 
So they attempt to control for a wide range of them, of variables because, you know, this L stuff asks these kids all kinds of stuff, right? And yeah. they also ask teachers and parents. And so they got a whole bunch of data. Right. But you don't have, there's no lottery. There's no way to have That's a, right. an experiment. A, you know, you experiment. got You've got it. to match. Yes, yeah. you do. Is this so, Mike's research minute or Amber's research minute? Sorry, research I'm just showing off now. He is. He's showing off. <laughs> Look, I've been doing this for 12 years and I've learned a lot from Amber. Okay? So they've got stuff like parental education, family income, poverty level, college expectations. And here you go, Mike. While they have loads of controls, mm-hmm. the study is still not causal. Yes. It's still not possible to eliminate bias. Mm-hmm. And it's not possible to completely account for omitted variable bias. Right. right. We don't know if the kids who choose to do CTE are different unmeasurable ways. Oh, now do you guys see y'all? I used to just like <laughs> sigh when I did the methods part, hey, like get going, wah, wah, wah. Amber. Wah, wah. Yeah, and I, now you guys are fully participating yes. in a little bit about the methods. <laughs> I mastered differences and differences this year. So, <laughs> all right, now for the findings. Uh, taking more CTE courses was linked to a lower chance of dropping out. Specifically, taking any course in high school decreased the odds of dropping out by one point two percent for each course. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the more the better. Mm-hmm. But taking the course in 11th or 12th grade was linked to a greater dropout decrease of 1.6%. Mm-hmm. As for on-time graduation, the next thing they looked at, there were positive benefits here too. Specifically, CTE boosts the probability of on-time graduating by 1.6% for every course completed. Again, with courses taken in the later high school years showing even more significant benefit. Obviously, though, not all students progress through to the next grade. Mm-hmm. Recall that you these two follow-up surveys that they asked the kids, asked them if they dropped out, basically. Mm-hmm. So we're observing the survivors, right, mm-hmm. as the years mm-hmm. proceed. Just Another little little methods note. Uh, Regarding college-going behavior, they found no relationship between whether students went to college right after high school and their CTE course-taking behavior. So lo and behold, I had to go back to our study, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, last year in 2016, it said, how are they different? How are they alike? In, in ours, and, by the way, we looked at data in Arkansas. In yes. Arkansas right. with uh, Sean Doherty. And about a year ago, well, a little more than a year. And we found that taking more CTE courses had additional benefits too. So sort of mirrored that finding. Uh, in our case, we were looking at concentrating, mm-hmm. uh, taking three or more courses. And this study didn't look at concentrating at all. Um, but we found that when you concentrated, it also increased the probability of graduating from high school and of enrolling in a two-year college. Mm-hmm. So they didn't find that college-going thing that we found through concentrating. So maybe concentrating was the difference. We don't right. really know. We got a whole different study, got a different state, yada, yada. Um, and we also found in that study that concentrators were more likely than non-concentrators to be employed. Mm-hmm. So that was an interesting wrinkle. And that and low income. And they didn't look at that in this study. And they didn't look at that in the right. study. And that low income students see the most benefits from concentrating. And they didn't look at that in this study, too. Mm-hmm. So they were they're different studies. But yeah. there was at least one mm-hmm. key finding where we saw some overlap. So I'm sitting back going, you know, we are seeing more and more studies conducted mm-hmm. on CTE. And at least from my vantage point, I don't see them doing any harm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that that's really important. And again, keep on that, you know. If anything, we hope the programs are getting better. I mean, right. there's yeah. more focus on CTE. Certainly, we all care about figuring out how to make it high quality. Uh, for example, align, get kids to get meaningful credentials while still in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, some of that was happening uh, when us uh, reformers weren't paying attention. <laughs> right. But, uh, but not necessarily. But 
look, this is something funny. My high school graduation is porn. The kids are engaged. They see that's relevance. Right. They see right. a and connection to the real world. Yeah, it could definitely be one of the yeah. reasons that we're seeing uh, what we're seeing. Yeah. Uh, and you remember in our study too, we did we found that a lot most kids were taking CTE, and this is what they found in this mm. study too. I mean, I don't know if it's the labeling, the way we're thinking about how we talk about courses, but this is pretty widespread. Most kids are getting some exposure to CTE, and that seems like a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Very All cool. Right. Well, good. Hey, love it. Love it. Cool. Thank you, Amber. <laughs> hey, Michael Godfrey, shout out. He was one of our eeps who nice. conducted the study. So, Excellent. All right, Michael. Okay, that's all the time we've got for this week. Until next week. I'm Melissa Schwing. And I'm Mike Petrilli of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, signing off. The Education Gadfly Show is a production of the Thomas B. Fordham Institute, located in Washington, D.C. For more information, visit us online at edexcellence.net.